Hi, I'm Alicia Atchison. I'm vegan, an animal lover, and animal rights activist. Many people say that becoming vegan is one of the best decisions they have made in life. I'm here to share my guest stories on their choice to live a kind life and what it means for them to be vegan. Welcome to A Kind Life. Today I have James McLaughlin. Thank you for being here, James. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, a little bit about myself. So I've recently graduated from Monash with a Bachelor of Psychology in honors. And since then, I've been dabbling in a few different things. I teach at a university now. And on the side, I'm also an organizer for Anonymous for Voiceless, which we host events every weekend. If you want to join, you know, this up. And in addition to that, I also do some volunteer work with Anxiety Helpline. So as some ABA therapy with children with autism spectrum disorder. Yeah, amazing. I think from what I know of you, James, you're quite a busy person. So what are some of the things you do, whether it be with work or outside of work that keep you so busy? Well, Every weekend, you know, I, I bring all the equipment in, into the city and we, we do a Keep the Truth demonstration for about three and a half hours just to educate the public on what, what the plight of the animals and exactly what sort of solutions we can come up with. So how do you find time to even be an organiser? That's the question. Yeah, I think I, I don't even know. You know, I just keep a laundry list of the things that I need to get done the moment I have, you know, a couple hours spare, I'll just open up my diary and start working through it. And you know, for some reason, it's, it's working so well. While it works, keep doing it. So in regards mm. to you studying psychology, is there, have you sort of got an idea of what you want to be doing, focusing on for your PhD? Yeah. So in my honesty, I've worked a lot with patients with obsessive compulsive disorder. And from that experience, I think I really developed a keen interest for those with OCD, as well as schizophrenia along the way. So I think that would be my area of focus if I was to get into what I want to do next year. Yeah. And I mm. guess I guess just on that, before we go into sort of like your vegan journey, but I guess being like vegan yourself and having studied psychology, I'm guessing that there's times where you would see things at Cubes of Truth or in the general population when, you know, they're seeing um, what goes on in slaughterhouses or, you know, animal exploitation. I'm guessing there'd be some really interesting insights for you into people's behaviour and responses to seeing and, you know, hearing about what goes on with animals. Yeah, to some degree. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me how hard people try to, I suppose, look the other way and have that bias in terms of looking for information that supports this fairy tale dream that none of the animals are harmed in animal agriculture and somehow all these products just pop out like magic. Yeah, I mean, it never gets old. <laughs> Do you think at some point ever that would be something that you'd be interested to kind of focus on or are you sort of, you keep that separate to, you know, your career? You know, funny you said that. So cognitive dissonance in that area of psychology, especially surrounding like meat consumption is something I did look at for my honest thesis. But it turns out it, it's quite a well-explored area of research, I think, in the literature, especially with some of the work that's been done at Melbourne Uni and the researchers over there. I just didn't think it, it offers any sort of new insight by going a little bit further with it. I mean, it's pretty well-established, if you get what I mean. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's hear a little bit about your vegan journey. What, you know, what brought you to veganism, James? I think it started in 2017 at the beginning of the year when I was in my, I want to say first year in uni, I was talking, I was talking to this girl that I was interested at the time, I think after class or something. And, and she mentioned offhandedly about this documentary she saw on Netflix called Cowspiracy. And because obviously I was trying to get to know her at the time. So you know, the first thing I did when I got home was put on TV and search for conspiracy. And that was just it. You know, I watched the whole thing through. I think it would have been at like 11 p.m. or something when I put it on. And by the time I was done, it was like, I think, I don't know, one o'clock or something. I was just in shock sitting in front of my TV going, what, what did I just watch? Especially seeing, you've seen conspiracy, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, you remember the scene when they were filming backyard farming and showing exactly what happens in that scene and taking you through the slaughtering of these backyard ducks just straight up with a butcher knife down their throat, just out of nowhere. And that was it for me. I was like, oh, that's what happens. And it was like a needle drop moment where I just, oh, so that's why some people are vegan. And so was she was she vegan or like what brought that up in the conversation? So she was at the time. And get this right. So I think when, when we were talking back in, back in 2017, she I think for a little while, she was quite vocal about veganism. She would post stuff online, share things on Facebook and Instagram stories. But as time went on, she started veering away from it. And I think it was about a year or so ago. No, I think it would have been two years now. I saw her shit like pasta dishes she made bacon on it and you know out, out of curiosity i reached out i was like is that is that real bacon or is that like a plant-based one i don't know of? and yeah she confessed she's like well it didn't work out for me so i'm i now just try and eat ethically whatever that means oh no and did you use that as a moment of outreach james that's the question <laughs> i did but she wasn't very receptive so i kind of backed off from that and just left it at that I think I, I felt disillusioned a little bit, you know, someone who led me to that conclusion kind of went back the other way. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So you went vegan, clearly to impress this girl at the time. And I'm guessing two things happened. Nothing came out of that. You weren't with her and now she's non-vegan. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> but I don't think I was, I went vegan to impress her. I definitely watched a documentary to try and learn a little bit more. And I fell down the rabbit hole of, discovering what what the hell is going on and doing my own research afterwards watching things like what the health and then going online and searching up earthlings and you know the usual rabbit hole that people fall into and so it sounds like what was meant to happen was it led you to veganism so that's that's perfect that's all that was meant to happen yeah that's how i kind of rationalized it in my mind And so what was that transition like for you? Obviously you said you started looking into more information. Did you sort of like slowly transition or was it overnight for you? How did that happen? You know, I set out with the idea that I was slowly transitioned so I wouldn't mess it up. I thought, you know, I I had some chicken breasts in my freezer still at the time. I remember this pretty distinctly, distinctively, just because I thought long and hard about it, just sit, standing in front of my fridge thinking about what I, what I would do with them. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to wing myself off the, I'll start having two vegan meals a day and just meet once a day 
for a couple of weeks. Once I can get that down pat, it'll be done. And I think I, I did that for about two or three days. It, it's, I couldn't do it anymore. So I, I got everything out of my freezer, threw it all in the bin, and voila, that was it. And so you've been vegan ever since. That's about, what, four years, three or four years? Yeah, I think coming up to four years now. And how did you find that with your friends and family? Initially, I don't think I received much support at all. Most of my friends were skeptical. They were like, yeah, you know, you've tried a lot of things trying to impress girls back in the day. They're just, I don't think this would stick. Even though, <laughs> you know, that wasn't the case. But that was like the general idea around it. You're not going to stick to it for the last two weeks. As for my family, I think I got mocked. The first time I told them, and again, probably probably the second or third time, but eventually they just gave up and didn't have anything to say. Because every time we bring it up, it seemed to just create like this uncomfortable atmosphere around the room and it, just, it doesn't work out for anyone. Fair enough. And so I guess moving forward, like obviously you've mentioned that you're involved with Anonymous for the Voiceless. So I guess how did that come about? And, you know, do you have anything that you'd like to share about your experience with that? I, come about, I think the idea was planted in my head back when I first went vegan. And I was just so curious about this topic going online on YouTube doing research and just watching videos after videos in my spare time. I came across Earthling Ed, you, you probably know him, right? Yeah. And Ed at the time was doing a lot of outreach style videos before he moved on to now, whatever it is that he does. And I remember coming across Anonymous for Voiceless in one of his earlier videos where he was doing outreach with general public having to look them up, I found out that they were actually you know, based in Australia, at least the main chapters anyway. And when I moved from Queensland to Melbourne, that was basically the first thing I did. I searched up where the chapter was, joined the Facebook group around the time when I just finished university, I think around July 2019. Fast forward about a month, they had an event in August, went to it. After that, it was just an ongoing thing, you know, I never miss the event basically for your second part any memorable moments there was so many and i think a lot of them happened before quarantine so you know obviously the details are quite blurry but they they were all memorable because of the same thing you know people really connecting with food because you know you wouldn't expect that sometimes coming to do outreach that you would really make a difference in people's lives but sometimes you do you know you, you have some of the most amazing conversations you have in your life with, with some strangers that you, you, know, you didn't know five minutes ago and they would see the footage be so distressed and saddened by what, what's happening and what what has been hidden from them their whole life and they would break down right in front of you and, and being able to be there and hold that space with them and explain to them exactly what is happening, why it is happening, and having them come to a conclusion that the best way for that to stop happening is they stop contributing to it. And those moments, yeah, were definitely the highlights. Yeah. I think. I, yeah, that I can, question? Absolutely. And yeah, I can definitely mm. agree. Like there's definitely some memorable conversations that I've had that I think will stick with me because like you said, you make that connection. Well, they make the connection and you're helping them make that connection, but you're also sort of there with them like you said, holding that space. So it's definitely a unique experience. That, yeah. mm, that's it. You know, sometimes if people make that connection and you can tell so affected by what, what they see on, on our screens and you can tell that they've 
they made a decision right at the end of the day that they have, they will never contribute to that kind of atrocity again. It's just, yeah, makes it all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess outside of Anonymous for the Voiceless, is there anything else you've been doing or have done throughout your vegan journey to spread the vegan message or about animal rights? So before quarantine, uh, I was quite active in doing a few things you know with the animal stay trying to organize some sort of collaborative event with that and you know, some other things on the side that we probably shouldn't talk about <laughs> for legal purposes and rescues and whatnot so i had my hands in a few different parts you could say but since quarantine i think a lot of that has just come to a full stop and one really hear much about it anymore or at least it hasn't started back up so now um, the only thing I, I think well the, the thing i do the most is probably for anonymous for the voiceless you know around the chapter making sure that our people do have a, a well-running platform where they can just come on the weekends and spread that vegan message without worrying about anything and i guess as as being an organizer like have you noticed that things have dropped off a little bit like in terms of participation like from covid like has that had an impact on people getting out and spreading that message in your opinion Hmm. initially there was definitely a much lower turnout when i guess the restrictions started pulling back around when when the restrictions started easing it was October, November. Mm, yeah. Mm. The turnouts were kind of pulling. You know, we usually have less than 10 people there. But it was still good, you know, because Berg Street's always busy for some reason. Even though it wasn't as busy as it normally would be, we still were able to have the, some really important conversations and really great conversations with the passerby. I think as time went on, especially recently, I think on the 26th of March, when we had the last bit of restrictions lifted, people really started coming back out. And you notice that now we're on Bird Street. It's almost as if we're back in 2019 and both sides of the mall is packed. And you start to see all of our volunteers start coming back. You know, our turnouts are always above 20 people, yeah. which is good to see. Yeah. I, I can say from personal experience, having attended some of your cubes, that you definitely get great volunteer participation. And it's always, you know, I always say to our volunteers in Geelong that, you know, it's great to go and experience a Melbourne Cube if they haven't, because for two reasons, you know, you you get a lot of volunteers, so you get a great presence. Like there's a great presence of, you know, vegans in the community being there for animals, but also as well, you know, the general public and population, I guess, of Melbourne are a little bit more open to, to veganism than some of the, you know, Geelong surrounding area population. So you get really great conversations. So I always suggest to people to come down, you know, to you guys and definitely have a have a go at your cube because it's such a different experience. It's really great. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think because the crowd's so diverse, you, you don't get a lot of hecklers or or regional people that may be a little bit more, I guess, set in their ways, so to speak. I would have to say, I disagree with you, don't get as many hecklers. I would have to say, James, that recently you've had hecklers, but also I've been around when you have had some fairly average people eating animal flesh in front of the cube. Is that something that that regularly sort of occurs or just randomly? I wouldn't say they regularly occur, but they they definitely come around. And I, I think we've gotten to a point where we've got a system to just sort of drum them out in the background. So I don't think of them as much. Yeah, 
And I guess that what that was what I was going to ask is what's the strategy with managing those kind of people when they do approach the cube or volunteers? It's pretty simple, right? It, you know, these people, they, they're there for one reason. They want to get a reaction. They want to buy it. They, they want something from us. And so what we usually get all our volunteers to do, including myself, is just disengage. Tell them to move along. We don't give them anything. No one's upset. No one's yelling insults. No one's threatening violence. It's just a general disinterest from the crew. They don't get anything from us. If they're not going to buy it, how can they stick around for? Right? It'll be boring for them. That's a great strategy. I like it. And so I guess just moving on from that a little bit, James, like what do you personally in your vegan journey, like what do you say, what do you love about being vegan? What do I love about that? Oh, where do I start? I think for one, I'm, I'm not being hypocritical when I, when I tell people I'm, I truly care about others suffering, not just, you know, other human suffering, but animal suffering as well. You know, people came to the term, oh, well, what did you have to do? And I said, plants. No, that's what. <laughs> you know, there's no disconnect there where I say one thing. I say, you know, I care for animals and, and I really do love them. I just, at the same time, I can't keep them out of my fridge. There's no disconnect there. It's just a straight through line through my actions and I guess my values. Yeah, I think that that's definitely the favorite part about it. I think it, yeah. It really, it also humbles me as well to think, uh, to remind myself there are those out there that are going through something so horrifying and atrocious that my problems are nothing in comparison to what I have to deal with. I think that also kind of keeps me in a healthy headspace and to keep going forward to not get distracted by other things in life and drop off on my activism. Yeah, and I guess that's something I was going to ask you is, you know, do you have any advice for vegans or activists? I mean, it sounds like you're a very busy person yourself and I'm guessing a lot goes on. So is there anything that you might have learned from experience or that you would like to share that you might think might help other vegans? Vegans or activists? Either. Your choice. My advice, my advice would be to get active. Just get active and, and build a community around you because... You see, and you hear this all the time, right? Like people, mainly vegans who aren't active, but they often feel isolated, alienated from their family, from their friends. So no one really share the same values as they do. And when you get involved in activism, when you, you start participating in these things, you indirectly start, I guess, developing a, a nice supportive network around you with, with vegans that, that will be able to support you when, when you need something or, or simply just be able to share dinner with you without arguing about why we have to go to a vegan restaurant to, to simple things like that. I think, yeah, we, we often take for granted, but not every vegan is able to enjoy. Yeah. And being an activist definitely allows you to be a part of a bigger community. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the huge things, you know, huge benefits of not only being there for the animals and speaking for them, but also finding, you know, that community that has the same values as you. And like you said, finding that support and network that is, you know, makes it a lot easier as well. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you see... Those online surveys, I don't know how reliable they are, but most of them, when when people survey ex-vegans, they always cite the lack of social support as one of the main reasons why they go back. Yeah, interesting. It makes sense to, yeah, to be proactive about that and build like a supportive community around you. 
yeah. if you want to be there for the long run. Now tell me, was it the psychologist in you that was looking into these surveys? Because I didn't even know there were surveys for, of ex-vegans. So I'm learning <laughs> yeah. something new, James. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was for this thing I, I wrote a while back for Animal Liberation Victoria. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I, I wrote a little outreach thing for them a while ago and I remember doing some research on veg recidivism is what they call it, you know, going back from vegan to no longer being vegan. And yeah, that was the most cited thing, just not having a good group of people around you. Wow. Was there anything else that stood out to you in that in reading the research? Mm, no, I, I don't think so. I think it makes sense being vegan at the moment, it, it, especially if you're not in, in the metro area, you know, it's, it's hard to navigate. There's not a lot of vegan restaurants around in most places. Mm. And there's not a lot of vegans around full stop. So it wouldn't make sense that people would feel alienated going vegan. And therefore, in a little bit in, in the short-term future, give up on it. Mm. Because, you know, we are social animals. We desire social approval. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I guess, James, just moving forward, like is there anything that you've got coming up next that you're sort of planning on working on? Obviously you mentioned about um, going to do your PhD. Is there anything else you're going to be focusing on in the near future? No, I think at this stage my PhD is probably my main focus just because it does require a lot of time, dedication, whatnot. So it's about the, the only main focus I have right now apart from other side projects that I'm working on. Good to hear. It sounds like there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of work in that for you. Do you know, do you have any idea of what your sort of time frame is for your PhD? As in how long yeah. it will take? So a PhD in clinical psychology takes usually four years, which means if I get it next year, I'll be done probably 2026. <laughs> That's slightly scary to think about right now, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sounds scary. By then, you will have been vegan, what, 10 years? Close, yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Good way to look at it. (laughs) All right, James, well, is there anything else you think we might have missed that you wanted to chat about? Hmm, I don't think so. Do you have any other questions? No, I don't think so. I I think we've we've covered a good amount. And I guess the thing too is if anyone does have any questions specifically from this episode, are you happy for them to reach out to you on social media or? Yeah, of course, always. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'll tag you in um, the episode and they can reach out if they have any specific questions. I can definitely verify that, you know, James is friendly and happy to have a chat. So, yeah, reach out if there's anything. But um, thank you so much for your time, James. Really appreciate it. I know you're super busy, but um, really appreciate having you here and sharing your story. Yeah, this was great. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Thanks, James. Thanks for joining us today. I would love to hear from you if you've been inspired by this episode or if you have any requests for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at a kind life. Remember, be kind to your body, kind to animals and kind to our planet. Take care.